Well, I'm gonna kind of explain something first. We've been without air conditioning for two weeks now. I have no air conditioning in my car either. My core temperature is very hot right now, unless you wanna see me dripping. I think I'm gonna take my coat off this morning. I'm sorry, uh, I know you, got, you guys love me in my coats, but I don't think you wanna see me dripping today. Do you? Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord, tomorrow we'll have air conditioning in our house again and we will join the 21st century, and uh, we're thankful for that. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's word. James chapter 4, beginning verse 13, and we'll read through chapter 5, verse 8. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go on such and such to, to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and the rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you, and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord Sabaoth. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man who does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. If you believe that's true, say amen. <laughs> Lord, bless this word, multiply it to our hearts. Help us now, Lord, to focus on you, the eternal God, uh, the, the only thing worth living for, the only thing worth giving our lives for. Lord, may we pay attention to what you would have us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we're going to take just a couple minutes for some, um, some, some pew conversations. And, you know, if, if, if you don't want to participate, that's fine. Just bow your head and everybody will think you're real spiritual, okay? Uh, but, but I want to ask this question to begin with, and I want you to kind of talk amongst yourself for about 30 seconds. What is the worst purchase you've ever made? And men, don't say your engagement ring, okay? We don't want any all-out war. What's the worst purchase you've ever made? Talk amongst each other. Go. Now, see, it's easy for me to answer this question. And I'll answer my question with a picture. I purchased not one, but two Pontiac Fieros. Um, I purchased one right after college, and it was, a, it was an a, um, automatic, and it did okay. And then I purchased one with a clutch. It did not do so well. I think I replaced the clutch like five times in six months. Uh, worst purchase that I've ever made. But, but all of us, and you can go off the, the whoever, anybody else have a Pontiac Fiero other than me? It was like a poor man's Corvette is what it was. And since I was a poor man, that was the Corvette I got. You know, we've all made wrong choices. We've all made bad purchases. 
Um, Sometimes those choices affect the rest of our life. Uh, Daniel Boone, anybody familiar with Daniel Boone? You know, Daniel Boone, the Kentuckian? You know, Daniel Boone, in essence, could have owned the state of Kentucky. But, but he, he and, and I'm, not, I'm talking about the real Daniel Boone, not Fess Parker, for those of you. If you don't know who Fess Parker is, ask your grandparents. But, but Daniel Boone made purchases and sells. And, and by the time he was an older man, he didn't own one acre in the state of Kentucky. Not one acre. When, when he died... Daniel Boone was actually living in Missouri and was so irritated at Kentucky that he, he wouldn't allow his, his body to be returned uh, to Kentucky to be buried. And he was buried, I believe, in St. Louis, Missouri, although I think maybe now there's a body that is a purportedly Daniel Boone's in Kentucky. But because of choices, he squandered the opportunities that he had. And, and it was his choices, uh, the way he sold, the way he dealt. It was his choices. Because of choices that he made, he squandered the life that he had in Kentucky. Now, we're talking about something a little bit more serious than than property or cars or even 401ks or anything like that. We're talking about the eternal versus the temporary. And and James is, is talking about people who have squandered the eternal to live for the temporary. And, and he's saying, in essence, we can live for what is temporary or we can live for what is eternal. When we choose to live for the temporary, James is saying, we are choosing far less than what God offers. In a lot of ways, it's like, and I'll put it in material terms just so we can think materially. It's like if you had some some steam or some mist here. You know, steam and mist doesn't last forever. You have a a bunch of steam or mist here, and and over on on this side of the altar, you you had a pile of gold. James is saying, it's it's like you're, and and I feel like I'm, I'm, what is it, Monty Hall? Let's make a deal. You know, do you want the steam or do you want the gold? And James is saying when you're living for the temporary instead of the eternal, what you're exchanging is you're accepting steam instead of the gold that God has to offer. God has something substantial. God has something that lasts for eternity. And he's offering it to us. And oftentimes we choose to go our own way and just choose what's temporary. The scripture in 4, 13 through 16, James is talking about our lives being completely in God's hands. And, and we have this illusion that we control everything around us. And James said, don't you understand that, that your life is in God's hand and tomorrow is not guaranteed for you? And all these plans that you're making, they're all contingent on this almighty God in which we rest our fate. And your life is just like a vapor. I believe Jesus uses the phrase in, in, in his teaching where a guy's made all these plans and Jesus says, in essence, don't you know that tomorrow your life is going to be demanded of you? As you sit in this room this morning, we're not guaranteed another moment, right? You're not guaranteed anything else. And we live as if we control every 
aspect of our lives. James says it's here and then it's gone. Five and two through three, chapter five, verses two through three, talks about how we, we look so hard for these material things and, and then they, they fade away, they rust, and then they're gone. Verse 4 of chapter 5, sometimes he talks about how we're so intent on getting these temporary things that oftentimes we work in a way that's unjust. Now, I'm hoping that as I read that scripture today about not paying somebody what they're owed, nobody in this church has felt guilt, okay? I hope that we're paying what we owe people. I mean, I think that's the command of God, amen? But we work so hard on temporary things that we abuse other folks oftentimes to get our own way. And then James says that the, the, their cries go to the ears of the Lord Sabaoth or the Lord of hosts. And it's Chris Tomlin's got this new song called The, the, the God of Angel Armies. And, and so I love that imagery, the phrase that, that James is using. It's just this God who, who not only is in control of your de- destiny, but if we could have spiritual eyes this morning, we would see that this, this Lord of hosts commands a spiritual unseen army that's all around us. And we live for temporary me, and we live for temporary, you know, what, what's in it for me, and what can I get? And all around us and all is God's armies and God's might and God's power and God's love and God's grace and God's better life. And we still choose steam at times instead of gold. See, this is the contrast between the life aimed at the temporary and the life that is aimed at the eternal. God is eternal. He always was. He'll always be. There's one entity that we can, we can connect to that has this eternity, eternal nature, and it's God. God is eternal. God is in control. And ultimately, God is the one who is going to return and judge. All that you've done. All all that you've, you've poured your life out on. God's the one that will come at some point. And God will sit in judgment of our life. And the only thing that will matter is what God says about our life. It won't matter if your neighbor thinks that you lived in the coolest house in the neighborhood. All that will matter is what God thinks about your life. It won't matter whether you're driving, you could be driving the coolest car in the church. And I don't know what any of you drive. Uh, so, so I don't know who's driving, who, who is driving the coolest car in the church? Raise your hand, I'm just curious. Okay, Corey, yeah, okay. June, Okay. <laughs> We'll go out after and, and check, and, and, okay? <laughs> doesn't matter what you're driving. What matters is what God will say at the end when this temporary, vaporous life is over <laughs> and we stand before him. That's all that matters. And kingdom people live towards this eternal truth. If you're a kingdom person this morning, you are living with an awareness that your life 
is being measured not by other folks, but it's being measured by God. And all that you do is geared towards this eternal reality. And before I go any further, see, sometimes these could become the, um, this is the no fun sermon. <laughs> oh, you know, I can't have any fun in this life. Can, can, I, can I let you in on a little secret? God wants you to have this life of wholeness and eternity, and God wants you to have this life of wholeness here. I have come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. And, and so I'll tell you, from my heart, I believe that you live fuller lives in the temporary when you live with an awareness of the eternal. That, that somehow God lifts our life and, you know, and we begin to realize it's not all about the, the toys that we can accumulate and all the things that we can do, but it's about serving God. And there is a joy, there is a fullness, there is a happiness, there is a fulfillment that you find in serving the eternal God and joining him on his redemptive mission that you'll never find anywhere else. God brings fullness. And kingdom people live towards this eternal. Now, now James is not the only one that brings this truth out in the Gospels or in the, in the New Testament. Je- Jesus says the same thing. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Can I read it to you in the message? The message says it like this. What kind of a deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourselves? What could you ever trade your soul for? Like that. What, what, what would you trade your soul for? What, what would you trade eternity for? See, it's, it's possible to have everything seemingly go your way in this life and to get everything that you want in this life, but to be not wanting the right things and somehow miss the better things. So let me ask you, are you you living for the eternal or the temporary this morning? See, at the outset, this is a me problem. And... And it's possible, I, don't, I, don't, I think most folks in this room today, you're, you're chasing after God and you have an awareness of this. You've been around the church a while and you, you, you've been saved and sanctified and you're serving and you're maturing. And uh, Even though we'll get later in the sermon, we'll talk about how this is still an issue even to those who are growing in the Lord. But, but it, it may be possible this morning that you're weighing this decision. You know, which way to go? You know, am I going to serve me or am I going to serve God? It's a question of who is going to be on the throne of your life. Will it be God or will it be yourself? James says when you choose to put yourself on the throne, you're throwing your life away. When you're gone, it's gone. And you face this God in judgment and you've thrown your life away. James is inviting you to something more. He's inviting you to this this real life in Christ, through Christ. So so maybe this morning you're you're just 
you know, you, you've never made this decision. And I want you to see the starkness of what James is saying. If you've never made this decision, James is saying at some point you will stand before the throne of God and you will be judged by the only one that can judge. I can't judge. You can't judge. But God can judge. Right? Do we believe that? You will stand before the throne of God and there will be an assessment made of the choices you've made. Now, I've got good news for you. You know, before I go any further and talk about this any further, we serve a God of grace and mercy, and this same God that will stand as judge at one point stands before you with his arms open wide, and he's willing to receive you in and allow you to connect to that eternity so that you can stand before his throne, and God will say those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. But I would venture to guess, for most of us in here this, this morning, you've settled the question. You, you've made that decision. But, but I still think this temporary versus eternal issue is something we all struggle with from time to time. Uh, the, the issues of life. Let me ask you this. Are, are, are my rights more important than the kingdom? So, so how's this work out? That Dr. Warwick was, we were actually at our, another ordination service Tuesday night, and, and was that this Tuesday? Man, my weeks are flying. Uh, Wyatt got his first district license, so we went down to see Wyatt, celebrated with him, and Dr. Warwick spoke, and he, and he preached a great message, and he's, of course, a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. And then he talked about an instance, and it's easier to talk about his failures than my failures. <laughs> you know, it's a great... And he talked about an instance where he got some car repairs done, and in the midst of the car repairs, they left a, a stain on the carpet and how ugly he kind of got in this circumstance. And, and then eventually, as they began to resolve it, he had to stand next to a service manager, and the service manager asked that question. Pastors never want to answer. So where do you work? <laughs> oh, I work at the Nazarene Church just across the street from you. And so you know, he talked about that struggle with that moment in the present to keep an eternal perspective. And, and, and just before, before you begin to think that I'm throwing my GS under the bus, we all struggle with those kind of things, right? In the moment, three weeks ago, we had to get a rental van, okay? We rented a rental van. We rented it. We sent them money. We reserved the rental van. And I went to pick up the rental van, and there was no rental van. And so, um, you know, we're having conversations back and forth. And I'm talking to a lady on the phone, and, and I'm, I'm saying, you know, I don't understand. She goes, yeah, I don't understand why they rented that to you either. Well, neither do I, since you don't have it. <laughs> In those moments, can we be frank and honest? Not Frank Henry. <laughs> we'll just be honest. Honest Frank. Can we be honest Frank? And acknowledge that sometimes we lose the perspective of the eternal, and we get caught up in the temporary. And we begin to say, that's not right, you're doing me wrong, and God wants us to have a kingdom perspective, even in moments like that. Amen? Let me ask you, is my financial security more important than the kingdom? Saving is appropriate, biblical, good stewardship of your money. 
But there is a difference between saving and hoarding. There is a difference between saving and saying that money's there and God's allowed me uh, the benefit of making some money. And there's a difference in saying that's my security. There's a difference between saving and squeezing your money so tight that George Washington screams out in pain, okay? I don't think the second is appropriate. Is my leisure more important than the kingdom? And I I don't want this to become just, oh, pastors appealing for more workers in the church. We need more workers in the church. But, But if you think it's about that, then find another place to serve. See, 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 there's something about serving, and, and sometimes we get so caught up in our leisure time, and we waste our leisure time watching TV or sitting and doing this. And, and, and is, is my leisure time more important than the kingdom? Is my right to judgment more important than the kingdom? See, Jesus says forgive, and, 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 and we want to hold on to our temporary rights. Our judgments aren't eternal, Right? We understand that? So even the extent that we can exercise some sort of judgment in a circumstance, that we can take some sort of vengeance, we we have to acknowledge that that is temporary. And we choose to live in this temporary and and feel good about ourselves because we're exacting this measure of judgment where God's saying, you know, leave judgment to me. Is my pride more important than the kingdom? I think this is a big issue in the church. I I do. I'm sorry. I think pride is is the barrier that keeps God's church from becoming what it needs to be. And I want to make sure, I mean, hear me here, okay? Really hear me. If you're so afraid of what other folks will think about you to get real in this spiritual journey, it's an impediment to the eternal breaking through in your life. Pride gets in the way so often. Are my plans more important than the kingdom? You know, insisting on getting things my own way. I love verse 17 says, you know, to to those who know what to do and don't do it, that's sin. And I think it's possible in this room on this Sunday morning that there's somebody in here that, that God's called you to do something And he's been pretty clear in his call. And you're just delaying because you don't want to do it. What James says, to those who know what to do but they don't do it, that's just plain old sin. Disobeying God. See, the problem is not that we deliberately choose to live for the temporary. The problem is we're more aware of the temporary because it's tangible than the eternal because it's intangible. In other words, I can see this guitar, but I can't see the eternal God. And so these eternal things are hidden from our eyes and the material things are all around us and and you can see and you can feel and you can hear with your physical senses other people. And, And every month the bills come in, right? And they're tangible and they're real and and you have to physically pay them. And 
And so we tend to pay more attention to those physical things, those, those tangible things, than we do those intangible things. Well, what's physical can, can grab our focus. And, and that's why I use pictures and images and things like that because I think it helps us to visualize physical things. That's why we bring suitcases up front. That's, that's why I believe in the Bible. I believe that's why it commands us to lay hands on people and, and why we will have the practice of, you know, anointing people with oil. And, you know, there's, a, there's an intangible spiritual thing going on and we're physically doing something to make ourselves aware of what we cannot see. Ever so often, and, and, and I understand everybody's different. We had a great discussion on this at the board on Thursday night about worship and stuff. And, and I know everybody's different, but sometimes I lift my hands to physically remind myself to worship God. That's why I do it. That's what we sing. You know, it, it's a physical reminder. We may know it in our head, but there's, there's physical things that we do. That's why personally, I still prefer this offering thing that we do. There's a lot of churches that just have offerings in the back of the church, and, and I understand their reasoning, and that's fine if they want to do it. But I like a physical offering, and that's why I don't, I don't give uh, just by you know, uh, going um, electronically, but, but I do a physical tithe most of the time. I write a check and put it, because there's something to the physical act that reminds me of the eternal that I cannot see. See, what is not seen can fade from our mind. In fourth grade, and I, I remember this as clear as day, we had a teacher that had to go out of the room for a few minutes, and she couldn't find somebody to, to you know, come and sit for us. And our whole class went completely insane in like 10 minutes. I've never seen it. You know, there were kids sitting up in the cabinets and all the supplies were, were thrown about the room. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was like this mass hysteria. And the teacher came back in the room and we're all, yeah. And she just went like this and we all went, what happened? <laughs> you ever hear the phrase, out of sight, out of mind? <laughs> Sometimes we're like that with God. That, that sometimes because we don't see him, we begin to, to lose the reality of his presence and the reality of the eternal. You know, it's, it's a real challenge. Second Kings chapter 6 has this great story of a, Elisha and his servant. And Elisha, of course, is being pursued by the armies of Syria and, and they've surrounded him and the servant sees that, that they're surrounded by all these armies and he's all distraught because physically what he sees. And Elisha goes, I, you know, I want you to see how things really are and he brings him out and prays with him. He goes, because those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And he opens his eyes and he sees this spiritual reality, this eternal reality that trumps this physical presence. So, so how do we, like Elisha's servant, how do we maintain an eternal perspective in a physical moment? We'll give you four real quick things. Seek God. So I'm a pastor, I know that. Prayer, Bible study, devotions, worship. Um, before you beat yourself senseless on this, can, can I tell you that these things are habits and you have to create these habits in your life. And you have to be intentional in creating these habits. 
Because even in the midst of seeking God through prayer and Bible study, sometimes we get so caught up in the, the temporary physical that we forget the eternal, unseen, right? Anybody else? You know, I remember when I was practicing law, I thought, man, when, when I become a pastor, it will be so easy <laughs> to do devotions and things. Oh, it'll just, you know, it's my job. My, God, my job is God, right? Amen? My, God's, my, my job is God. You know, my, my focus is, is God. And yet, I'm going to confess to you, sometimes I'll come into my office and I'll start working with the ideal that I was going to do my devotions and my Bible reading, and I'll start answering emails and start doing some work. And of course, I'm in the Bible because I'm in the Bible, and I'll get so caught up in the work that I'll forget the first things. Because the physical takes our attention. And so you have to be intentional in your habits. It has to take a priority. It can't just happen when you want it to happen or, or when you think it'll be convenient because it'll never be convenient because that's a lie that Satan plays in your life. I mean, he doesn't have to tempt you to great sin. He just has to keep you busy. Seek God. I wrote this down. I don't think I put this in your notes, but I think this is true. If you do not intentionally seek the eternal God as a habit, it will be very difficult to have an eternal perspective in the moment. So so if you're not doing all those seeking habits in your quiet time regularly, when you come to a moment when you have to really see the eternal and the, and the material physical is bearing down on you and it's all around you, you really need to get a grasp of the kingdom. It's going to be very difficult to grasp onto the kingdom in the midst of all that physicality. Second, serve regularly. There's something about making yourself available to others that allows us to maintain and gain a kingdom perspective. Serve kids. You know, work in the children's department and begin talking about the things of God and see if you don't somehow get a better perspective of the eternal and the kingdom. Go, go serve at a homeless shelter. You know, serve on our work and witness trip. When we're serving those who are in need, I believe that most of our team, if not all of our team, will gain a better understanding and appreciation of the eternal. Serve regularly. Don't just serve when you feel like it, but find a place that in the regular aspect of your life, the regular routine of your life, you can serve. Give generously. Do you possess your money or does it possess you? Money's that great, tangible, temporary gift. And it can be enticing. And, 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 you, and you realize, of course, Jesus spoke a lot about money. And, and I think in our culture, when we shy away from that topic... See, I'm a believer in tithing. I do. I believe in tithing. I believe tithing is a habit that allows us to sow into generosity and that somehow by that habit, God can, can sow the eternal generosity within us. And so I believe in that. But, you know, you may think, oh, the pastor's just trying to appeal for more money in the church. And if you think that, Harold, cover your ears. 
If you think that is just a selfish appeal, give somewhere else. I'm telling you, folks, the ability to regularly give will sow within you an eternal perspective. And it doesn't end, you know, it's not like paying a bill, and, but, but, it, but it sows within us this spirit of generosity because we begin to understand that God is the giver of all good gifts and everything belongs to him and it begins to sow into you a different attitude where your material things do not possess you, but God possesses you. And as he possesses you, he possesses your material things and wherever he wills them to go, That's okay. Connect with others. Another blatant pitch from your pastor, but small groups and Sunday school, these these are important. But if you don't want to plug into that, find an informal group where you can talk to other folks about the Word of God. The Word of God is meant to be read in community. It is not a private document. It's something we read with other folks. And in reading with other folks, we gain a better appreciation and understanding of it. You can't do this on your own. And when you talk to other folks, you begin to be pulled outside of yourself. And you begin to see that you're not the only one with problems, number one. (laughs) And God has others that he's calling you to walk beside. And I think... In the moment, sometimes there's some things that we can do. Just, just a couple things in the moment. Uh, in the moment of a circumstance where you're being tempted, where the circumstances, the material circumstances seem to be bearing down upon you in a fight with your spouse or your kids, in a dispute at a workplace or a dispute in a restaurant or something like that, be slow to verbalize emotional responses. James says, be slow to speak. Be slow to verbalize those emotional responses. You are an emotional being, and that means within you there are emotions that are natural, and sometimes they're healthy, and sometimes they're not so healthy, and sometimes you need to act on them, and sometimes you need to to resist them and and, and not move with regard to your emotions. But but we're emotional beings, and, and sometimes in the heat of the moment, our emotions rise up. Amen? Be slow to verbalize, to say what you want to say. See, oftentimes, it's, has anybody ever had this happen? That you've said something and it's locked you in? <laughs> I'll admit it. Who's had a fight with their spouse and in the moment they've said something and then they've spent two hours trying to defend something they really don't even believe, right? Sometimes our responses lock us in. It doesn't allow us a way out and to, a way to grab onto the eternal. Live in an awareness that what you say and do has an eternal effect. You're throwing out eternity seeds with your words and your action. And then finally, be slow to take tangible action. You know, there's times we have to move quickly, but, but I think in most of our circumstances of life, we don't have to act near as quick as we think we need to do. Um, yeah. who, who waits a night when, when they found the car that they want? I'm just, it's just an example. Who, who waits a night 
before you make the final purchase on a car. Anybody, anybody do that? Okay. Nobody does that. Who's purchased a car? Who's got hands? Okay. Okay, a few people with hands. When you make a big purchase, do, do you typically kind of wait? Or just impulse? See, I think there's something about waiting and thinking and praying that gives rise to this eternity within us. Well, it's um, 940, and I want to do a couple things before we close. Stand with me. Well, I'm going to pray with you. And then, uh, Terry, could you go in the back and make sure those little cards are out so they can sign on the back and put them in bags? Can you move any quicker? (laughs) Oh, I should have thought before I said that. See, I was just giving that as an example. Um, (laughs) uh, Does anybody have a place I could stay tonight? Um, I love you folks. And I want you to know that. And, and, and I believe in you as people. And, and I believe God's trying to do something awesome in our midst. And he's trying to do something awesome in your families. And, and I believe that this awesome thing he's trying to do is all key to the ideal of becoming kingdom people. Uh, an awareness that there's something more that we're living for than what we just simply see around us. It's not about, uh, as Dr. Seuss says, it's not about the cars, the houses, the, you know, in, in the... What was what, what the, oh, you got, Joe can't help me. He doesn't know. I'm pointing at Joe. He doesn't know. Not about all those things, but it's about this God who has this eternal purpose for you and your family. And living in that eternal purpose, there's life. Life like nothing else you'll ever experience. Uh, I want you to know my office is always open. If you want to talk to me, you want to talk to one of our pastoral staff, they'd be more than willing. Because I know sometimes it's intimidating in this place. And those who have, who have been brought up in the church, you know, it's just, you know, we understand altars and altar calls and praying. And, and sometimes it can become a little bit confusing to those that maybe that's not been your past experience. And, you know, pastors say all these things, and sometimes you go out these back doors and maybe you can feel guilty. <laughs> and you don't know how to resolve it. I want you to know that we are, Pastor Christie's there, we're willing to sit down and talk to you about these things and help you sort out these issues anytime you want to talk to us. Lord, help us today just to to pay attention and grab onto the eternal. Lord, we want to be kingdom people. We want to serve you, and we want to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be seated just for a second. We've got one minute. I want to show you something. Can we lift the slides and turn off the screen? I want to give you a clip from the um, Jesus film. 